Hi, and welcome back, everyone. My name is Mike LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junior Wealth Management. And thank you for joining us again for Mike on Money, uh, where we talk about everything that's going on in the market. And this week, we're going to actually take a deep dive into electronic vehicles or EV uh, vehicles, uh, what's going on in the market, where the opportunities are, and most importantly, how to invest. And we're going to be joined by a special guest today, Elliot Johnson with Evolve ETF. He's the Chief Investment Officer and Chief Operating Officer there. And he's got an extensive background uh, with Fiera Quantum uh, on the alternative investment management, also the Chief Operating Officer there, there uh, as well is in the banking sector with the National Bank. He also serves on several committees uh, are, that uh, oversee foundations for Upper Canada College uh, that brings a ton of experience uh, and massive passion around EV vehicles and the market in general. So he's gonna join us here in just one moment. As always, keep in mind, everything that we cover here is for information purposes only. Do your own due diligence or reach out to us. Just go to mikeonmoney.com. Happy to answer any of your questions. See how these investments can fit into your portfolios and the best way to get access to it. So with that, I'm gonna have Elliot jump on here and join us. Hello, Elliot. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here with you. Perfect. Uh, so, Elliot, we're going to talk about EV vehicles. Uh, you've got great experience. I know we've had so many conversations uh, about uh, this market and the opportunities uh, that we see coming up uh, and uh, currently, obviously, that's going on. Um, but let's start things off. So, you know, when I look at the EV market and I talk to, to people, uh, you know, all the projections basically say by 2040, uh, it's projected that 90% of the worldwide car, uh, vehicle production is going to be EV vehicles. Give us some background. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, how we're going to get there and, and, and why, you know, why, what's driving us towards that, that 90%. Yeah, the big driver of a date at the moment are government targets. So 2040, 2030 to 2040 are kind of dates that are being set by most of the developed countries in the world. So Europe has got dates as early as 2025 in Norway, for example, um, with a lot of countries in Europe uh, trying to get to uh, 2030, 2035. Canada has signed up actually for a pledge called the EV 30 at 30 pledge, which is we're one of... Um, about 10 countries that have signed up to say that we will commit to getting to 30% of our car market be fully electric by 2030, which is, I think, a reasonable kind of target given that, you know, 30% is not 100%. And there's a lot of work to be done to get there in terms of infrastructure and people changing over their fleets of vehicles, consumers buying new products and so on. But right now, those targets are being set mostly by the governments who are trying to move the ball. And this is all part of the overall government action around the world to do with climate, to do with carbon responsibilities, accords like you hear in the news around Paris and trying to hit some of those targets there. This is where we're going with the transportation industry. Um, and I think uh, it's good, it's ambitious. I think there are hurdles in the way. I'm not sure we're gonna hit these dates that everybody's set out ahead of us, but you definitely don't get anywhere without trying. And every government around the world 
is definitely making a massive push to get there. And it's, and it's not just, you know, in, in uh, the, the developed world, emerging markets, China and India are a big part of this as well. So we really are seeing every single country in the world saying EVs are a priority. They're setting targets for, uh, for their markets to get there. They're putting incentives in place for manufacturers to create these products. And they're building infrastructure, and, and you know we we see that kind of in the news every single day. There's just a, a massive amount of news coming out all the time about uh, this transition that's underway. So it's particularly exciting for investors right now because everything's changing, and 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 we've got uh, you know got a huge amount of money to spend to get to where we're going. Right now, I I, I can't help but notice the, the the kind of the the flagship that was missing from that list was the U.S. and and, and obviously the, uh, the previous, let's just call it the previous administration was not on board necessarily with, uh, with EV uh, targets. Uh, do you see coming up, uh, you know, for example, we've seen Quebec, you mentioned Norway, we've even seen Quebec talk about 2035 as well, I think as a target uh, to, to get, uh, you know, EV only for, for new vehicles. Um, do you see that starting to come in the US? You know, I would see, you know, California has always been an emission Kind of leader in the US. Do you see the, the, the states potentially coming up with their own, the individual states coming up with their own kind of targets or, or uh, goals? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, California has a goal of 2030 that they set about six months ago. So they're always the leader. California emission standards is kind of the gold standard for emissions of cars. Um, and the US is um, certainly trying to get in that direction. Joe Biden has promised a $2 trillion energy plan that his administration is working on. And that calls for 500,000 new electric vehicle charging stations to be built across the continental United States. So that kind of government incentive in terms of you know, uh, investment in infrastructure is gonna kickstart what already is a pretty thriving um, industry in certain parts of the US that relates to EVs. I heard somebody the other day refer to the Tesla Model 3 as the Toyota Camry of Silicon Valley. So you actually do have these pockets of the US where adoption of EVs is very high. Now, obviously it's certain, certain uh, groups of people uh, more so than in other areas for sure. But the US is an interesting uh, country. They, they haven't signed up for the EV 30 at 30, but they have recommitted to Paris since uh, Biden uh, took office. And so um, they're, 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 they're some, sometimes an odd country to try to make, um, make a kind of clear case for because they do chop and change what they do based on the political wins. And they may not sign up for specific pledges, but nonetheless, the free market there is driving this forward. And, and let's face it, you know, a, a huge amount of the EV technology revolution is coming from the US, whether you're talking about battery tech, you know, Tesla's a leader, but they're not alone. The uh, autonomous driving tech, all the semiconductor businesses, there's a lot of technology within the US um, and some of it goes into domestic products, a lot of it does, but also a lot of it gets exported around the world. So they're integral to the story. Um, I don't think anybody wants to leave the U.S. out, but they're harder to plant. They're not planting the flag in the way that, you know, Canada has said by 2030, here we're going to be at 30 percent. Right, right. Now, you, you brought up there a couple of times, uh, you know, Tesla being a leader and Model 3. I mean, I think, uh, I think for most consumers out there, when we say EV car, I mean, Tesla, of course, comes to mind. But, uh, uh, you know, certainly, you know, and, and Vancouver is probably the California of Canada as far as leaders in, in driving Teslas. I mean, pretty much here, there's, there's every third car is a Tesla. 
Um, but, you know, as far as new entrants, I mean, they're already seeing a lot of new entrants in the market. Where do you see that kind of going in the, in, in, uh, in the next few years, not just from the incumbent manufacturers, but uh, kind of new players on the block? Do you see a lot of growth in that area? Yeah, we do. And we've seen a lot of um, investment returns in that area. For the most part, the new companies that are having the most success right now are actually in China. Uh, companies like Neo, Xpeng. Um, in fact, there's a company called BYD that not everybody has heard of. It's not a household name, but it's actually the biggest EV maker in the world by uh, unit sales. So you see a lot of growth in new brands and new companies in some of those emerging markets where the incumbent automakers don't have the same level of uh, brand awareness and customer loyalty. Whereas in you know, North America or in Canada or what have you, um, I think EVs are mostly going to come to consumers through electrification of products that we're already comfortable in. So whatever, you know, you, you might have been buying the same car brand for the past 20 years. Maybe you buy the same car that your parents bought, but it's going to become electrified along the way. Maybe your next car is a hybrid and maybe the one after that is fully electric. So the, the, the rollout is going to change um, depending on the market. Uh, but this is where we... Um, we really like the idea of taking a broad view across the entire industry because you can have companies show up from almost out of nowhere to become large multi-billion dollar businesses in emerging markets that, you know, that are just eating the market there because they maybe are taking advantage of government incentives or taking advantage of a, of a car buying market that's open to trying new things. And um, you don't want to avoid, you don't want to ignore those. Um, so you, you do want to kind of spread spread your, um, your view out to be a global perspective, because this is a global thing that's happening and it, and it does, uh, uh, it does affect every corner of the world in, in terms of the car market. Right. Now, so on that, you know, we've been talking about cars, we're talking about, you know, people, you know, the consumers, right? People out there buying their, their Model 3s or, or Polestar just came to Canada, you know, talking about another, uh, I guess it's a combination of Swedish Asian brands. Uh, come into Canada uh, with their uh, with their vehicles, but uh, where do you see um, the commercial space? You know, you talked about Biden's budget, and, and that you know they're talking a lot more about the utility vehicles, the, the industrial vehicles. Where do you kind of see that as as fit into this growth story? My opinion is that the fleets are going to electrify faster than consumer automobiles, and if, in in many cases, not in every case. There are going to be lots of um, use cases where it's impractical to drive an electric vehicle because you're going to go somewhere where there's not good charging infrastructure. So work sites, you know, for example, may still need gas-related cars for a while. But there's a large amount of fleet vehicles that are used every day by companies that have a very um, clearly understood use case that EV charging just works for. So if you think about, for example, a delivery um uh, a delivery need within a city. You might have a factory or a warehouse and you're going to deliver a whole bunch of stuff around the city through the day. You know exactly where your cars are going all day long because they only ever go from point A to point B or within a defined group of destinations. And so you can build in electrification into that fleet use case very easily because you know exactly where those cars need to be and you can you can therefore make sure they're always charged, don't have any questions around range. You know that you know you can you can make sure they come back to the depot and then they all plug in when they're being reloaded and that kind of thing. And then it drops the overall cost of ownership for that company 
both in terms of the energy cost, right? You're not paying for all this gasoline, but also from a maintenance cost uh, because electric cars are typically much cheaper from a long-term maintenance cost perspective because they have very few moving parts. You know, some of them kind of brag they've only got, you know, four moving parts. That's one on each wheel kind of thing. And they don't have all the millions of little bits that go into an engine. And so the, the break even on a fleet is a different set of kind of mental math than it would be on a consumer application where you still need to kind of get past some people's concerns about, you know, can I, can I take this car to my cottage? Can I drive across the country? Can I do these various things? And so I think fleet vehicle use is going to really um, take off. And you already see little bits of that just to pick another kind of industrial use case or, or non-consumer use case, Ballard Power, one of the companies in our portfolio, has a whole bunch of fuel cell electrified buses in California. And they can do that because they know exactly where they're going. And it's a, it's a great kind of use case. And that's where some of this technology proving ground is happening, right? You can, you can take that, you know how they're gonna get used. The company's building that tech can watch how it works. And then that stuff filters down into making, you know, the car that you and I buy better and better each year as they learn from these um, experiences. Right. You, you talked about kind of that, that cost model that the fleets can look at. And obviously theirs is really, really defined. But, uh, you know, as, as altruistic as countries want to be and people want to be, uh, you know, we've seen in the, you know, if you go back 10 years in, in, in call it green tech or green, green energy, you know, the big barrier has always been industry not wanting to spend the extra dollars, right? It always comes down to profits. Um, it seems a bit different these you know days. Maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, that side of things that might be driving this this movement, but not by just by countries, but by industry as well. Um, you know, are we at that point where hey, this is more cost effective? I can make this change, and you know, regardless of my beliefs of climate change. Yeah, it's that I think is the question that goes through everybody's minds when they're shopping for a new vehicle, right? Is that What's my break-even point for this uh, experience? Because I'm, I'm not going to pay for gas. I have to pay a little bit for electricity, depending on when I plug in my car. But the car maybe costs more than it does uh, when you buy something with a gas tank that you're just going to, you know, you're going to incrementally pay for that over time. The, the stats that we've seen in our research is that roughly around 2035, the sales of EVs are going to cross over with the sales of a of traditional gas engines. And that's really because the cost of buying a battery car is getting very close on a total cost of ownership level to the cost of buying a gas car. Now, there are a lot of variables that go into this, and the stats sometimes vary as to, you know, are we there yet? Are, are we there with government incentives? Are we there if you strip out government incentives and it's a totally level playing field between these two vehicles? I think we're getting really close. Um, and that battery cost is probably the single most important input cost to the price of the car for a consumer because it's the sticker price that ultimately is their, is their decision point for which car do I own. And that is far bigger of a decision point than, you know, running the spreadsheet about, am I going to the gas station or whatever? And some big changes are coming. There, there's, there, first of all, cost of batteries is dropping, but the other thing is battery technology is improving. And solid state batteries are on the horizon and they're scheduled to come out sometime in the next five years to certain cars and probably be the predominant EV um, 
energy storage technology within the next nine to 10 years from now. And solid state batteries are a meaningful change. They are gonna be about 45% more energy dense and they're gonna be significantly lighter per watt hour per kilogram is kind of the, the, the number that they throw around. So when you get over that 400 watt hours per kilogram and you've got 45% more energy, this changes the game because now, first of all, your car for the same range becomes cheaper. It becomes also increases the range because it's lighter, which again then deals with all this sort of range anxiety and it becomes cost effective. And then the economy of scale starts to tick off as well. So we're really looking at solid state batteries along with battery cost as the biggest inflection point for consumer adoption of electric vehicles. And I think it's gonna be like any new technology, like your cell phone or your computer in the 90s, the kind of thing where you're gonna see every time you, if you, if you do a four-year lease or you turn your car over in four or five years, you're gonna just be blown away by the improvement in the technology every time you do go to a new product. And that is, that's gonna have a kind of um, uh, an effect, a, a positive reinforcement cycle that's gonna happen. And we're getting to that tipping point. I think it's in the next five years that we get there. And it, it will get to a point where it becomes absurd to buy a gas car because electric cars are cheaper, drive further, cleaner, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's just gonna check all the boxes and then you're gonna be, it, the gasoline engine is gonna be a bit like the manual transmission. There'll be diehards who complain that it's not around. And it doesn't sound like it used to, but everybody else has like moved on from there. I think that's coming. I think it's coming in the next 10 years for sure. Uh, now you, you brought up kind of the cell phone example. Um, you know, and, and being an old timer myself, the, you know, the, the big thing when, you know, the iPhones and the smartphones kind of came out, it was like, there's, there's more technology, there's more powerful technology in your hand now, your pocket, than uh, when they launched, you know, Apollo 11 to the moon. Um, you know, are, are we headed that way with cars? Like, are, are we now going to be driving basically rocket ships as far as technology goes? Yeah, for sure. You know, the car is becoming a smartphone that happens to have some seats and, you know, moves you from place to place, right? It's incremental, but increasingly the car is going to take over more of your job as a driver until eventually at some point you stop driving. We're, we're a fair ways away from that. But even now, you know, my new car, I just got a new car last year and it backs up by itself out of my driveway, right? And it parks by itself. So that's a job I don't do anymore, you know? You have new cars coming out, Audi and BMW, to pick two brands, uh, have, um, it'll drive for you in gridlock. So during gridlock, you can be on Facebook. These things are starting to move to the point where, you know, you start, your, your driving job becomes smaller and smaller. So that's happening and that's all based on the semiconductors and the smart big data kind of transformations that's changing the whole world around us. Combine that with electrification. Combine that with the upgrades and improvement to our power infrastructure, solar, wind, and distributed power generation, right? You know, the number of Tesla owners who have a solar wall on the side of their house and they're making their own power essentially at home. So this, this thing starts to change the game, right? Like the idea that, that it, I think it's gonna be the kind of thing that our, you know, our children are gonna look back and they're gonna say, why did you have a machine that burned oil that you dug out of the ground you know, in another province or, you know, in some places, another part of the world, right? What is, what was going on with that? Because that's not how we work anymore. So that's kind of where we're going and it's becoming, there's going to become digital gadgets. And, uh, and then 
who knows what the new things are that happen. Maybe you go on a long trip and you can have a nap because you're in the in the autonomous driving lane and your car just doesn't need you. And how does that change your uh, your thinking about your commute? You're thinking about where you live versus where you work. You're thinking about you know all kinds of things. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, and we're moving there incrementally. Uh, and um, you know, I mean, look at backup cameras, right? My my teenagers who got their driver's licenses could not back up by looking over their shoulder. They would have no idea what to do because they've never experienced doing that. They just, they, for them, it's a computer game backing up, right? So those are the kinds of things that are coming. And, and it's pretty fun to see uh, all the changes on the horizon. For sure. Uh, but with that, always there's some challenges. I know, uh, I know just, you know, the tail end of 2020 and into 2021. Uh, I mean, just looking at the general vehicle market you know if you walk into a dealer today and you ask hey i want to buy that new model um you know the availabilities are are, are way out i mean we're even seeing uh, some bankruptcies of, of dealerships uh in the united states because they just cannot get inventory so uh you know we're seeing this in the broader car market i mean you mentioned people go into the familiar familiar brands you know i've got a close eye on the new f-150 uh, Lightning, I think it's called the, the new electric one. Um, how do you see? How do you? Where do, do you see bottlenecks uh, in EV vehicles, and, and kind of where are the, the the really tight points right now? Yeah, there's a chip shortage right now um, that uh, has resulted a little bit from COVID, uh, where back in March of last year, when the whole world froze up and companies had to go into survival mode, the automakers canceled a bunch of chip orders from the Far East where they were being made. And um, as they started to bring those product lines back into production, they're kind of at the back of the queue because, you know, the cell phones and smartwatches of the world are, you know, they sell so many more units, they, they've got better access to the, to the fabs. And so we have a shortage of chips in the car industry. It's slowing down production of the F-150, the, the electric one you're talking about, which by the way, is one of the most exciting products, I think. Uh, in a long time in electrification because it's not just move you around it's also power your whole worksite you can plug in you know a saw and any kinds of equ equipment to that that changes the value of your pickup truck right anyway but that's needless to say they're not making them fast enough and they're getting amazingly good reviews the few that they've made so far so uh this is all um that that's certainly a bottleneck i think it highlights the point that you were making earlier that the car is becoming a digital device, right? You know, it, it, nobody would have thought of worrying about microchips 20 years ago when they talked about the car market, wouldn't even have been a relevant thing. And now it's the limiting factor on production. So these are digital devices and, and it, the forecast is for this all to kind of bleed itself out over the next 12 months. So you probably see a slump in new car sales right now. We've seen a massive spike in used car prices at the moment, partly as a result of that. And then you're going to see a massive pickup in new car sales probably sometime in Q1, Q2 of next year as the supply comes back online and everybody's been waiting and holding out. So then it says, finally, I can get the car that I've been looking for. Um, but it also kind of shows that, you know, they can't just build the old car. These are, these are technology-focused companies. And if you watch any of them, and they all have technology days where they actually just talk about the tech. Tesla calls it their battery day. VW just had one talking about their whole brand new EV platform. They're standardizing what they call the skateboard, which is the wheels and the battery part. And they're going to apply to everything that VW does and they make all kinds of different cars. 
These are tech companies. These are like tech presentations, like the kinds that you expect to see from Google, but now they're actually happening, you know, in, 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 uh, from car makers. So uh, that's going to hold things up. Another one, just to, um, I guess, uh, add to your thought around what are the hurdles and the bottlenecks, it's battery production. It's, um, it's going to come down to, can we build enough batteries fast enough to meet these goals? GM actually has just announced that they plan to start extracting lithium from seawater because they need lithium in quantities larger than they have got commitments from miners to give to them. So that's another place where technology is changing everything because of the demand from this. And so GM's partnering with somebody to build a massive factory that's going to take seawater and pull lithium out of it. That'll go into their batteries. And you're going to drive around a car that partly came from the sea. I mean, it's amazing, but that's where the world is going. And, and, it's more, and transportation is obviously a big part of the overall electric future that we have. But battery production is probably going to be one of the most interesting markets to watch over the next 20 years as batteries and electrification change everything uh, in our lives. Uh, so yeah, these are we're going to have these starts and stops. And that's why some of these dates are hard to really put a pin in and say, yeah, 2030 is the date. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's 2027 or 2035. It's where we're going. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think you've highlighted, you know, definitely, like you said, there's a, you know, there are a few bottlenecks that hurdles that we have to get over, uh, but hopefully we're headed in the right direction on that front. The, um, you know, for investors who follow me or have been with me for a while, they know, uh, you know, Evolve has an ETF uh, with symbol called CARS, with the symbol being CARS. Uh, we've been, I, I've had clients in it, in it for a while uh, because I think you really highlighted, you know, how broad, you know, if, if you're, it, you know, if investors are bullish towards the EV market, how broad the uh, the, the supply chain is, you know, how it's, it's not a matter of just going by Tesla stock or Neo stock, or it, 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 it's such a, a broad exposure, which is kind of why I, I love the cars uh, ETF for people to get direct exposure. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you guys run that and, uh, and what's in there. Yeah, thanks for uh, that. We, we, um, uh, this was one of our first ETFs that we launched uh, back in 2017, and we built it specifically for this need. We were the first in the world to put together a product that tracks the supply chain of all of these changes happening in terms of electrification and autonomous technology that go into the car. And the inspiration for the product, to be honest with you, was Tesla. Uh, in the summer of 2017, Tesla's market cap became bigger than BMW, but it was losing money on every car that it sold. And so you know, we knew that investors wanted this. We knew that there was something happening there. And as we started to do more and more research into it, we realized that this is an entire industry going through a transformation. And that's exciting because it doesn't happen very often. So we worked with our index provider, Selective, to come up with a rule set for the index that the ETF tracks. And that rule set is um, essentially has two components to it. So the first is the EV companies. And, and they, fact set real, uh, Selective relies on fact set data for classifying companies. So companies like Neo, Xpeng, BYD, and Tesla are in the EV category. We get each of those. If they're classified EV, it goes in the index. So you do have Tesla, but it's equally weighted. So it's one of 35 positions in the index. You're not gonna be overweight. Uh, we then get the battery makers and we get the chip makers that are relating to the auto industry as well, because this is the tech that goes into building the car of the future. And then we have 
um, the existing supply chain, you take, we take the top five companies by R&D to sales. So we get the ones uh, who are investing the most in the future, they go in. And then there's a final car manufacturing category, which is companies that are multi-type electric car, traditional gas car companies, for example, VW. They end up in the index because there's no doubt about it at this point, VW is moving into the electric future. They've got significant commitment behind them. They've got a huge investment in it and they are fielding some pretty exciting um, electric products in reasonably large quantities. So FactSec classifies them as kind of almost like a hybrid engine. They're like a hybrid car company. They've got a little bit of each and they go in. And so that portfolio, that set of rules is rebalanced four times a year. It's equally weighted because the market cap variance can be quite large. And this has been an effective mechanism for uh, capturing this universe since we launched the fund. And one of the ways we know that is because when we launched this index, NIO, just to pick one of the most successful Chinese car makers, was not a public company. And it's now one of the biggest EV companies in that part of the world. And the index recognized that, added it in, and the investors in, you know, who've been holding the fund over that period of time have um, done quite well on that position, just to pick that one name. So we believe very strongly that you need to have a diversified approach because as with any transformation, there'll be some winners, there'll be some losers, and there'll be some real rocket ships that take off. And you, you, it's very hard to pick up front which ones those are gonna be. It's so much easier to know this theme is happening because you just walk out your door and you see the Teslas driving around, you read the news. Um, and so we just, we built this for, for um, investors to have a tool to access the theme. And now, you know, you may own cars and you may say, well, I have my favorite couple of car companies or battery companies, I'll buy those separately and by all means, but this is the broad theme exposure. And um, we think this is, you know, uh, we're very excited to have built this product because this is the kind of thing if you, if you could go back in time to any of the big transformations that have happened from technology, internet, mobile phone, or whatever, if you could just buy the category, um, you had, you know, you had all the upside with a lot less, you know, you don't, your idiosyncratic risk goes away because if a company is not working out, it's going to get dropped out of the index and, and off you go. And so that's why we believe diversification is an important thing. And um, it's been great to see people using this in their portfolios to access this theme. Uh, there's not a lot of overlap with traditional indices because of the nature of, of uh, these companies right now. So it's, um, it's a way to put growth back into your tech allocation that maybe the NASDAQ isn't giving you in, in the same way as it used to. So that's really what the product's all about. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, we, we continue to be excited every quarter when we see what's happened with the index and, and uh, are there any new names in there? And, well, who are these companies and so on? Because it is, it's one of the fastest changing industries that we're tracking at the moment. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, Ellen, I'm gonna get you to stay, uh, stay on uh, in the interest of time. I'm going to uh, let everyone uh, off the, the, the today's video. Remember everyone, uh, go to mikeonmoney.com. You can see our other videos. This is also gonna be on our podcast. You can uh, click there to get access to that. But with that, uh, we'll have uh, another video next week for you to uh, keep you up to date on what's going on. Thank you, everyone. Talk again soon.